You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for April 30th, 2023, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Well, good morning to all of you here, and good morning again to those of you who are streaming. As so many of you know, this is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and the fourth Sunday of Easter is proverbially called Good Shepherd Sunday. And it's called that because even though during our lectionary cycle of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, on the fourth Sunday of Easter, the readings always come from the Shepherd Discourse, which is chapter 10 in John's Gospel. And for those of you with certain ears to hear, you might note what you didn't hear which is you did not hear Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. (laughs) That comes next year on the fourth Sunday. That's the next verse. Uh, But what you did hear was Jesus twice saying, I am the gate. And this is often translated as Jesus saying, I am the door, which brings me to what I think this Sunday should be called, which is Door Sunday. Now, doors are a major part of our life and such a big part of our life that we don't even think about doors. Think about the things that we count. I found out that my cell phone was counting my steps, which I didn't know. Uh, We count calories and pennies, but I wonder what your daily count of doors is. Doors are such a part of our lives. I mean, we have, obviously we have front doors and back doors and side doors and barn doors and basement doors and attic doors. We have uh, doors to welcome and our doors in the back say, exit, we have, uh, uh, our psyche has inner doors, and of course, you can buy a door already made at Home Depot, I discovered. We have the open door shelter, we have closed door meetings, doors get slammed in your face and pried open, Uh, DoorDash brings Gus his food. Uh, We have, of a certain age, and you can tell me at the back of the church later, remember the poster, Doors of Dublin. Uh, and some of you may know parishioner Susan Magrino Dunning, who on her Instagram account is always emerging from the door. Uh, the doors had Jim Morrison, and our doors have uh, four lines of scripture on them. We go in and out of doors all day long, and they separate our spaces. And so all of us came in one of a few doors in order to be in this sacred space. And for those of you who are home, you've come through some door to stream what you're listening to now. There's doors all over the Bible and the book of Revelation. The door to heaven opens, which is how, how the revelation happens. And then you may remember that in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus is knocking on the door of the human heart. So in uh, today's reading, the gospel that Father John just read is, uh, there are two types of doors. And the first door, is the door of a communal sheepfold in a village where there is a door and a doorkeeper and the sheep and the shepherds come and go from this door that is guarded by the doorkeeper. The second door is a different type of sheepfold. It's a sheepfold in an open field, in a grazing field, likely to have a stone wall with brambles on the top to keep the wolves out. And there is no door other than the shepherd who lies in front of the door at nighttime so none of the sheep will leave. And he controls or she controls who comes in and out 
of the shepherd's gate, the shepherd's pen. And that is the type of door that Jesus is referring to when he says, I am the door. Now, as so many of you know, if you've been following along Sunday by Sunday, we have been in John's Gospel for a long time, and we still have a little bit more to go. And you know that when Jesus says, I am the door, he is making a wildly bold statement because he is using I am with the echo of the I am, the name of God that was delivered to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3.14, God saying, I am who I am. And so what Jesus is telling us is that uh, he is the point of entry. He is the doorway to the divine. That's what Jesus is saying. And when I was the rector at All Saints Episcopal Church and Day School in Phoenix, Arizona, we had had this idea, I had this vision to help people understand the Christian spiritual life. And we were going to create this spiritual garden where one could walk and pray the so-called five stages or phases of the mystical spiritual life. And so the first of those phases was awakening. And I can't remember how we were going to represent awakening, but the second phase, the purgative way, the, the way of purgation, we were gonna put a, um, a labyrinth down. And the third phase, the, the illuminative way, illumination, we were going to build a open air theater uh, into the ground where you could sit, walk down into and sit in a circular space where all of the tiles would be icons of the face of Christ looking at you, which is what happens in the illuminative phase. You feel that Jesus is very close to you or, or just beyond your peripheral vision. And then the fourth stage, the, the dark night of the soul, was to enter into a door of a building and to go in a circular path through darkness, which would open into the fifth stage, the chapel of union, where one would pray before the living flame of love. And in order to get into the garden, you would walk through a door which was to be in the shape of Jesus. And it would say on the chest that you would have to push through, I am the door. So Jesus is the door to the Christian spiritual life. And we walk through that door, we walk into his spiritual space and his spiritual life. We walk into his relationship with the Father. Uh, John and Elizabeth and I have already made the podcast for next Sunday, and notice, you'll notice next Sunday that 13 times in the passage, Jesus uses the name Father. He's talking about his relationship with God. So Jesus goes on here uh, and says, Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. If you've ever taken a look at your life, we all do a tremendous amount of coming and going. It's unbelievable how much coming and going. This is where you get your 10,000 steps, I think. Now, to come in and go out, which coming and going is a kind of proverbial phase, phrase in our life in, in English, but for the Hebrew people of Jesus' time, to come in and go out meant something different. It was a way of describing life that is peaceful and safe and secure. 
To be able to come in and go out meant that the country was at peace. You could go out and not be defended. You could come and go with your life. This phrase, to come in and go out, is actually in the Hebrew Scriptures quite a bit, but for the most part, we don't attach to it because we don't know what it meant to the Hebrew people. And we get this, for instance, in the 121st Psalm, one of the Psalms that we know so well. It's the one that begins, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. The last verse of that Psalm is, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. This is what Jesus is claiming for himself that in him, your soul is safe. Your soul is secure and your soul can be at peace. That's what Jesus is saying by noting this phrase. And we all know that in our prayer lives, in our devotional lives, that we come and go in these, in these lives. And so in prayer and meditation, we enter the interior door of the soul to find pasture, that's what Jesus said, to find pasture and to feed upon our Lord. When Jesus says to find pasture, what he's saying is something like the I am statements. He's saying, I am your pasture. I am your pasture. I am the pasture of your spiritual life the life of your soul. And we already know from reading through John's Gospel that Jesus has been telling this, in some sense, all along. He, we know from the woman at the well that Jesus has said, I will give you living water. Remember the living water? That means I will give you eternity. Water in John's Gospel is eternity. And we, we find a little bit later down there, out of the believer's heart shall flow streams of living water. Here Jesus is quoting the Hebrew scriptures. We also know, but though we didn't read it in this cycle, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. To feed upon him, which is what those of us gathered here are going to do around this altar. And the early church theologians, the so-called uh, ch uh, fathers of the church, read this little line, this little passage in light of uh, Ezekiel 34, which uh, was referred to in some sense in the podcast. And just to read one little line of this, I will pasture them on the highlands of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture on the highlands of Israel. To read the whole chapter is incredibly beautiful. But what the, the early church theologians were saying was that if you want to feed upon Jesus, feed upon the scriptures. They talked about the scriptures as the highlands, the mountains of Israel. That's what the scriptures were. And for those of you who follow the podcast and are following along gospel by gospel, that's what you're doing. You are feeding on the scriptures. You're feeding upon our Lord. Now we all know that uh, when we're done feeding upon the Lord in our prayer and our devotional life, that we come and go and we go, uh, in, we go out into the world. And, and it's a rough place. I, I sometimes, some of you see me in the mornings at Le Pen, Quotidian in downtown, and people now greet me there with, oh man, it's, the world's a mess. That's the new hello. 
and the world is a mess and it is a rough place. Life is difficult and it's dangerous. It's super dangerous. We're all going to die. Right? It's dangerous. We're all going to die. And that is what, that's the context of what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about life is dangerous and there's peace in this life with me in your soul. And then we get that incredible line. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus is saying to us, he's telling us, I came, Jesus came to bring divine life to the world. And as many of you know, uh, John's gospel is sometimes referred to as the gospel of life. Life is referred to in nearly every chapter of the gospel. The gospel begins and ends with life. It begins, the fourth verse of the prologue is, in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And then at the end, we hear that the very purpose of the gospel was that we might believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and have life in his name. Jesus identifies with this. This is stuff in the gospel that is said about Jesus. But Jesus identifies, as he self-identifies, with God's life. Three of the seven I am statements have life in them. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, the life that Jesus is talking about is different than the life as we often refer to it. Uh, so it's not natural life, it's not uh, temporal life, it's not life that ends in death. Jesus is using a different word for life, and he's talking about life that has no beginning and no end. That death cannot destroy this life, and the enemy of this life is not death. The enemy of this life is sin. And he is talking about eternal and eschatological life being mixed and present in our lives now. So there's, a, there's an element to our lives which is different than just what a gravestone says, birth date and death date. Jesus' promise is super bold that he's going to give us life and he's going to give us abundant life. I mean, who, who amongst us doesn't want abundant life? That sounds like, that sounds fantastic. But we know from just living that it doesn't mean we get everything we want. None of us get everything we want. And some of us get so much that we don't want. And it's not that our dreams come true. They just don't. They just don't. Not every dream comes true. Uh, and it's not the prosperity gospel. I, I that is... That is wild selective reading of the scriptures to sign up for the prosperity gospel. Uh, I mean, Jesus even tells us in the parable of the rich fool to be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus' promise of life, abundant life, is not only everlasting life, in other words, uh, life without end, the Book of Common Prayer in 1928 often referred to this as everlasting life. There's very little everlasting life in the 1979 Book of Prayer. That's really much more eternal life because it's not just about life that doesn't end. But Jesus' promise of abundant life 
is his, he's promising each of us a, a life that, I mean, it could be translated of overflowing fullness, over that abundance, overflowing fullness. So it's not just the quantity of life, it's the quality of life. And St. Paul uh, tries to describe this, and we get this a little phrase in Romans where he says, grace abounding. That's what Paul is talking about. This is what is the abundant life. It is grace abounds in your life. So this spiritual, it's a spiritual abundance that energizes our life. The abundant life that Jesus is talking about is the life of the soul. He's talking about an inside-out life. It comes from within and flows out, and it does change the shape of our outward lives. When we live out, inside out, who we are, who we become, how we interact, the values that we have, the choices that we make are affected by the inner abundant life. So now we get to what's the challenge. And the challenge is this, life is wild, right? We walk through all these doors all day long, in and out, in and out, comings and goings, but how often do we walk in to Jesus, the door of Jesus? How long do we enter Jesus' space? And so when we settle down to, to Maranatha, meditate, to pray, to, to listen to the podcast, to listen to scriptures, to come to church, to tune into church, uh, to get stuck in a long line at the grocery store and decide you're, instead of being irked, you're just going to pray. Every time we do that, we walk through the door of Jesus and we enter into his divine space. And we can come and go through that door all day long if we can just remember to walk through that door. And if we don't walk through that door, things get wildly out of balance. They get very painful. None of us is able to stay in there all that long. So if you're worried about praying too much, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> I don't know anybody who prays too much. The monks complain that they don't pray enough because they have all the stuff they have to do. Life just brings stuff. But Jesus is the door. And if we can make him our daily door, he can energize our lives in a way that can keep us in a place of security and peace in a wild world. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.